J.R. Manga presents Midnight City, narrated by DB82. Chapter 2, Sin City, 148 AM Aurora Avenue. The young agent held his ice blue gaze on the street, covered by the shadows of his own car 30 paces away on the opposite side of the avenue. He watched the girls as they walked up and down the sidewalk, acting like they had somewhere to go but stopping at the cars that would crawl alongside them. One woman layered in thick makeup, wearing white thigh-high stockings and a short white latex dress, got into a brown pickup truck as soon as it made its prowling drive beside her. Charlie was waiting. He knew who his target was. Another set of bright headlights shone beside him, driving up slowly, passing his car, turning right into the pavement of sex workers. But these lights weren't just in front, they were on the roof, and the car itself was the color of black and white. A police car. Your little operation is up now, fucker. However, the officer never left his vehicle. It parked up and sped off so quickly that anyone else would have been oblivious to the fact that a woman stepped inside it. Great. So the cops are in on this too. Was it a damn cop that took Latoya? Suddenly, shouting was heard on the same street. What now? You fucking slag. I gave you six bags. And you come back with one? But the money done add up, bitch. Oh, Biscuit, the fucker robbed me. I tried getting it back, I really did. I told him who you were, but he didn't care. The man slapped the deathly thin woman, striking her across her delicate face, which already held bruises. She smashed against the dirty dumpster, landing in the piss-filled puddle. She tried getting up, but the man's size 12 alligator loafers were pressed firmly on her back. He moved his foot to her head forcing her to shuffle backwards so her head sunk deeper into the urine-filled water. Think you can lie to me, bitch? Fucking own this town. Nobody rubs from me. Especially some skank in Ua. He removed a small silver side piece from his ankle and pointed it at her back. I could shoot you right now and the cops wouldn't do a fucking thing. His foot still held her head down in the round golden pool. You listening, bitch? I hate it when people ignore me. It seems to be fucking mental. You better say something, bitch, or you'll either drown in my piss or I'll shoot with skinny ass. The man called Biscuit took his foot off of the woman's head, dragging away her brunette wig, revealing her short, curly raven locks. She lifted herself with a holy gasp, sucking in as much air as possible whilst coughing up yellow liquid. She thought he lifted his foot because he wanted to end his sadistic game, or maybe he wanted her back on the streets. Neither were the case. 
Biscuit stopped because a pair of blinding headlights were directly in front of him, with an engine revving and ceasing. The other girls moved to the side of the blacked-out vehicle, trying to peep inside with no luck. It revved again, startling Biscuit enough that he took two backward steps. Hey, arsehole! Grab a girl on the avenue and fuck off! Biscuit readjusted his head to look at Tracy, her makeup now everywhere but her face. The large Englishman stomped towards the frightened woman who held up her hand, preparing herself for another attack. But even she stopped her twitching arm to look at the car that revved again, this time much louder, with much longer intervals. She unsteadily got to her feet, the drug-dealing pimp and the call-girl runner now looking directly into the scorching headlights that glowed around them. Biscuit squeezed his gun. This ain't no punter, he thought. Oi, dickhead, get out of the car. It's mine now, you stupid bastard. You picked the wrong man to fuck. Car shot at Biscuit so fast he had no time to gain the momentum to walk, never mind run. Tracy and the girls that were on the left side of the Knight Rider vehicle saw a tattooed arm sticking out the window, flicking its man hand, signaling the battered women to move. Biscuit never noticed a thing, nor did he see the curved grin on Tracy's beaten face before the car jetted at him. Ah, fuck you! shouted the cocky Englishman as the car gained on him in no time at all. The alleyway wasn't the kind that ended. It led onto the next road, giving the car enough time to make the large man run out of breath and clip his sorry ass. The edge of the hood hit the man's back, forcing him to spin, crash, and roll straight into the rat-infested trash cans. The girls looked on in utter shock. How a beefy brute of a man could be so acrobatic, so agile, that he would perform such gymnastic stunts from the mere touch of the tinted automobile. Biscuit laid covered in garbage, holding his back in a stinging torrent of pain. That fucking gun, he whispered, with one hand on his spine and the other in front of his face, trying to block out the powerful rays of the car. The trembling engine ended its ferocious bellows that echoed off the surrounding concrete. The car door opened, with a visage of a silhouetted man stepping out. Biscuit was not shaking from the pain, or even the coldness of the night. His shaking formulated from fear. He remembered that he first encountered this fear as a child, hiding in the closet when his crack-pushing father entered the house. But he also remembered this fear more recently, when an extravagant limo pulled up on the block, taking his girls, never to return. Worst yet, it was like they never existed in the first place. No one should have that kind of power. He never believed anyone could, but he'd seen it, up close and personal. And it's only power that can strike terror into a man like Biscuit. But the man that was approaching had no power, no influence. He was just a man. So why did this feeling emanate so strongly in the English pimp? Deep down he knew. It wasn't his subconscious tapping into any relating incident or mixing his earlier fears as a child with something else. This was instinct. The basic human instinct when a wild animal has you cornered. When you are directly in the path of a stampede. When you know a murdering creature is upon you and has you at their mercy. When the engine revved down, the lights went out, which automatically made Biscuit search for his gun. And by his astonishing willpower, he still had the heater gripped in his hand. Well, until the car knocked him flying, forcing the weapon to leap from his fingertips. He twisted his body to search for his missing sidearm as the man advanced, the footsteps echoing louder in the night air. Shit, 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 he's coming closer. Biscuit dragged himself away from the incoming shadow, grimacing, eyes on the male figure. 
right hand patting the floor, hoping he could use anything to hit the bastard. His other hand was used to balance himself. He felt every texture known to man. Rubbery, wet, damp, slimy, sticky. All gave a gut-wrenching odor. But he felt it. Something he could use. It was hard, cold, and slightly wet. My gun! Biscuit was not aware that his initial interaction with the shadowed man was due to the light being weakest in that spot. But now a lofty street light was inches away from his back though it did not help because for some strange reason it blew out, dropping cuts of glass all over him. His natural reaction was to look up, which he did, but when his head fell, the man was standing directly over him with something in his hand. Biscuit wrapped his podgy fingers around his gun underneath a shit-filled diaper, black bags, and a used sanitary towel. What the fuck do you want? And what's that in your hand, bastard? He asked, wincing. A sword said the dark figure that did not move into the light. You sound like a fucking youngin. <laughs> yeah, be nervous for a moment, kid. Tell you what, you run along to mommy and I'll forget about this whole misunderstanding, yeah? The man stepped into the natural light from the street ahead. Biscuit scowled his tanned, greasy face, his sweat diluting the gel that kept his Elvis-inspired hairdo up. <laughs> I knew it. You're a fucking kid. Bastard needs to learn some manners. The Englishman flung his gun around dramatically, happy he got the drop on this snot-nosed brat playing grown-up. What is the last lesson this little shit will ever have? No one comes on to my blog acting tough. I own this fucking town, and I will give you one shot. If I'm still standing, you have to touch my sword. Deal? said the young man calmly, bringing his sheathed blade forward to further express his offer his polar eyes widening in madness, like being shot would excite him to a sexual pleasure beyond human understanding. Kind of juices this kid on. Best it was to slice me. Well, he can fuck right off if he thinks I'll aim for a shelter. I'll shoot this little cunt in the head and get the lads to dump him upstream with cocky little twat. If you shoot me and I drop to my knees, you win, okay? Can't get fairer than that. You're fucking crazy, kid, stated Biscuit now not as eager to shoot him. It's no fun when they want it. Oh well, guess I can make exceptions for cocky little twats. As he lifted his gun, his forgotten pain reminded him it was still present and would make the task of shooting a crazy kid even more taxing on his sensitive vertebra. The girls were still gathered at the other end of the alley, but struggled to get a clear line of sight as the shaded car obstructed their view. Tracy, however, snuck closer parking herself behind another smelly dumpster that was covered in pigeon dung. The absolute muddled look that went across her face spoke volumes. Here was an athletic man of average height, smaller than Biscuit, standing over him, causing the wife-beater to back away frightened. It made no sense. This young kid that should be in a boy band magazine for teenage girls to drool over, intimidating a man that has built a name for himself on the streets. But Tracy could not deny there was something menacing about him. She herself has been uniquely attuned to evil since being a child, hence why she could detect it so potently in this strange young man. He happily smiled at Biscuit, not even flinching as the British pimp aimed his small handgun at the joyful youth's cranium. The swordsman's black t-shirt and pants only hid his body, as his milky face and fair hair made him easily detectable in the darkness of the alley. Biscuit's gun rattled with his platinum bracelet jingling like Christmas baubles against his wrist. Why am I so shaken up by this fucking kid? 
I'm the one with the gun here. I haven't got all night, Biscuit Boy, said the man with a change in his voice. It was cockier, like it didn't belong to him. This made the lids on the English pimp's eyes squint, and his black eyebrows dip even further, like they connected, creating an impressive unibrow. No, this fucking god. You asked for it, kid. The sudden bang made the girls run, but not Tracy. Her eyes only opened more, which mirrored the action of her decayed crystal meth mouth. It was not the gunshot that brought Tracy to a frozen shock, but the way the man took the bullet to his skull, still clutching the flat sword firmly in one gloved hand. Bullseye, you little shit. Not so tough now, are ya? Biscuit looked away, reaching in his pocket for his phone to call his crew. They can clean up this mess. Lazy bastard should have been here anyway. But something was wrong. He didn't hear the thud of the body hitting the floor. He didn't hear the sword drop splashing in the puddle beside the crazy youth. There was nothing. Only, that cleared my head. <laughs> the man arched his spine all the way back while standing, taking the full impact of the bullet at close range. With his neck tilted to such a degree, he looked as though his head was facing the wall behind him. He jerked his body back up straight, and his mouth created a smiling C-shape. The light-haired man rolled his shoulders clicking his neck like he just experienced a long stiffness. His eyes were closed when he performed this action, but opened quickly, and the bullet clawed its way out of his forehead, dropping to the gritty surface with a soft coining sound as it rolled its way back to the legs of the recently disabled Englishman. Oh, fuck me, fuck me, fuck me! Biscuit dropped his gun. His pupils were dilated, and his mind could not comprehend the feeling that was scratching away inside him. It was something beyond the realm of fear. It was a word that couldn't possibly describe his current feelings. Although he could not find the word, he knew this notion well. He felt like a child that was suddenly dropped into the center of flesh-eating cannibals. What are you? asked Biscuit in a low and petrified tone. It's my turn to ask the questions, Biscuit Boy. As agreed, you will touch my blade. And for your sake, I hope you give me the right answer before he gets you. Before who gets me? The man did not give Biscuit any time to question him further. He grabbed the pimp's forearm with his gloveless right hand, placing the Englishman's palm on the hilt of his black scabbard. Do you see him yet? Demons always see him in a different form, but I always wonder if another human sees what I see sometimes. This kid is off his rogue. Not only did the shot to the head surprise the pimp, but the locking strength of the youth's grip. Even if he weren't crippled, frozen in terror, and bewildered beyond belief, he could never pry away the youth's hand. His strength was unnatural and godly. Biscuit had been in enough scraps to know when someone was holding back their strength, as he would often do this himself, relishing the fight, making it last as long as possible. Beating the fuckers longer was the mantra of the Englishman. Biscuit knew this kid could lift them off the ground and throw them across the alley with ease. Shit, this guy took a bullet to the head. I bet he could chuck me across the bastard state. He's a demon, a bloody demon like me dad. No longer wanting to comply or play these silly games, Biscuit started to twist and turn his body so the boy's fingers would let up. It wasn't happening. It was in that moment Biscuit understood the true strength of the young man. Whatever this kid was planning, he wanted no part of it. The Englishman was now a broken man, a sniffling wreck, a shell of who he used to be, as he squirmed and cursed, begging the boy to let him go. The mysterious stranger appeared intrigued, which was displayed by the side tilt of his head. It was clear Biscuit acted with a certainty that something was coming, 
like he could sense the impending threat looming into reality. Then it began. Biscuit could see the bastard kids smiling even more, if that were possible. The air altered around them both, becoming colder. Cold enough that he saw Winter's breath escape his lungs. What the fuck? Why's it gotten so cold all of a sudden? Oh, fuck me. The plummet of temperature was only followed by the sound leaving his ears. No cars or even the city's presence to ground him. Everything was still. Here he comes, expressed the youth excitedly. Biscuit looked in the same direction as the madman, not sure that he even wanted to look. The fact that he could still hear the young man speaking told the broken Englishman that he was the cause of this effect, and the cause of this inexplicable phenomenon. They both stared in the direction of the car, now covered in an equally dense and transparent grey fog. A tapping sound was heard in the distance. Tapping, and then walking of shoes, picking up decibels as it strode closer and closer. Walk, tap, walk, tap, walk, tap. You see him yet? Questioned the blonde youth. No response was needed, as the thing approaching was abundantly clear to Biscuit now. He knew this kid was taking the utmost pleasure in torturing him. A man of impressive height with a disturbingly slender build was plodding towards them. His face was obscured by the mist, but his clothing was quite visible as he wore a top hat and a suit that screamed mid-18th century with his golden watch that was attached to his right jacket pocket by a glossy chain. The suit was colored black, but his white shirt had clear signs of streaked blood smeared all over it, like someone flicked red paint directly onto the fabric with a thin brush. Better talk, Biscuit Boy. Believe me when I say you don't want to fuck with this guy. Well, who is he? He's a demon, but he's not a normal one. Fuck me, what's normal about demon anyway? Biscuit painfully thought. The extremely tall and skinny man was now only a few feet away from the car's tail. His face now in view, bone white skin, verging on translucent, with carved in eye sockets, showing nothing but black holes. Its nose, mouth, and ears were vacant organs on the incoming phantom. What was more unusual was the sound of music playing, a light-hearted tune like it came from an old Victorian music box. Now, tell me what happened to LaToya, the young man demanded, changing his composed nature instantly. Oh, fucking hell, it's getting closer. Let go of me, please, I beg ya. The disguised demon was now at the side of the car, and the source of the tapping was revealed. The wraith man walked with a robust cane that looked to be made of solid oak but dipped in the darkest ink. Its ending tip ringed with gold, exactly like his watch. Answer the fucking question, or he will kill you. Oh, fuck me. She, she was taken. Some car pulls up twice a year, takes a few girls, and I never see him again. Shit, where's this music coming from? You better describe the car quickly, Biscuit Boy. Oh, fuck me. The Englishman was pulling himself back so hard he could feel his bones clicking. His expensive shoes became more ruined as he kicked and scraped on the paved earth. The car... The car was a blacked-out limo. I got one of my cars to follow at once and it led to the Wilds estate. It's in a narrows just outside the city. Oh, fuck me, he's right behind you! The demon's twig-long fingers reached down for Biscuit, and its absent mouth manifested into a wide hole completely circled with teeth, humanly shaped and colored with a rotten black. The hole in its mouth wasn't entirely dark, 
Traces of blood were layered across its gums as it towered over the blue-eyed interrogator and the British Elvis imposter. The earthly stranger snapped Biscuit's wrist and threw him aside like an unwanted gift. Biscuit's whole body rolled through more garbage before hitting the smooth concrete wall behind him, which surely damaged his back further as a shattered crunch was heard from the impact. He never acknowledged his own pain. Instead, his adrenaline spiked, causing him to do nothing but glimpse upward, actively searching for the man-demon who had vanished along with the mist and rhymy music. His head went all over, side to side, up and down, in search for the thing that had almost had him for supper. But it was gone, and all he saw was the muscle car, and this madman with a psychotic grin glaring down at him. You have been listening to Midnight City by J.R. Manga. Narrated by DB82. Copyright 2023 by J.R. Manga and VHS Reader. All characters and events in this publication, other than those in the public domain, are fictitious and any resemblance to real persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. All rights reserved. No part of this publication may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted, in any form or by any means, without the prior permission and writing of the publisher. The publisher is not responsible for websites or social media pages that are not owned by the publisher.